Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. What's up, everybody? <laughs> Welcome to the Kegelasso podcast. We're going to talk about the U.S. men's national team losing to Panama. And Heath Pierce and I, yes, Jimmy Conrad's here with you. We're a little bit disappointed as the Kegelasso podcast starts right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. We're a little disappointed. We're a little angry. We're a little sad about the performance by the U.S. men's national team. Seven changes to the starting lineup for the one that we saw against Jamaica, where we were so happy afterwards, Heath Pierce. It didn't work out. And again, I think we fell into the category, and I'm speaking about Greg Berhalter here, where we hoped we hoped that these changes would bear some fruit. And instead, well, we got some fruit, but they're all lemons, Heath Pierce. And I'm upset about it. How are you feeling, my friend? Great to see you as always. I'm I'm uh, feeling uh, similar. I Great. I hope so. Am, I am upset because on one hand I want to be like Greg Berhalter. What are you doing? He's a former teammate <laughs> of ours. I just want to be like, come on, man. Like I I know you well enough to know that you couldn't have believed this was going to work. And then I turn around and I think about the times that I've been a player in those situations that are tough and you're and they're hard. And then you go, I don't know, man. Like you kind of gotta. I don't know whose fault it is, who's to blame, but when you look at seven changes, you really do minimize the ability to have cohesion, mm -hmm, to be on the mm -hmm. same page. Again, you know, I had heard that the players didn't know until late last night. Some of them probably woke up to messages of them being in the starting lineup uh, while you're down there. And again, I know there's moving pieces, and I know it's not easy, and it's quick turnarounds, but overall... It just seems like a, a, a difficult recipe for success. Do you think that, wait, 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 wait. Do you feel like Greg Berhalter had that Jerry Maguire moment where he had some bad Mexican food or whatever? You know, like I think Jerry Maguire yeah. had like a bad burrito and then wrote that whole thing. And that led to him, you know, uh, coming up with this idea. And I mean, that getting a late night text to know that you're going to start is is interesting. I'll just say that. Now, before we take any steps forward, I do want to say if you're watching live on YouTube and I can't emphasize this enough, we want to hear from you. So drop your thoughts in the comments, whatever it is, your hottest takes, your silver linings. Hopefully you can find some silver linings, whatever it may be about this U.S. men's national team performance against Panama. If you want to shout out Panama, fair play to them. I thought their tactics were spot on. They were on the front foot for most of the game, and I thought they played pretty well. And they also took CONCACAF shithousery to the next level. They really played that card and wasted time. The ball kids were in on it. Fans were running on the field to delay time. It was all working for them there at the very end. Fair play to them for that. Also, if you're listening to this on podcast form or in podcast form, it's very nice. But you know what's even nicer? You subscribing to this so we can give you the free content over and over and over. The good stuff, as we like to say it, the, the juice, the goods, 
So make sure you make that happen. It doesn't take long. Hit that button. Leave a five-star review. We'd really appreciate that. I want to leave some comments about how handsome me and Heath are, even though you can't see us, you're just listening to us. We won't say no to that either. And then also, of course, dear viewers, again, I just want to reemphasize, hit us up with your comments. We want to talk about it, and we'll bring some up on screen. Our producer, Des, will make sure that we get the very hey. best of the best on screen. What's up, Heath? Hey, Jimmy. I, I just want to – this just popped into my mind as you were talking about giving credit to Panama. And I just think when I go back to El Salvador, when I go back to Honduras in the first half, when I go back to now Panama, how good those teams are at breaking our press, at getting through our lines, at just making us look uh, disjointed. And then on the flip side of that, just how hard they make us, they make it for our, our national team, the U.S. men's national team, to break through. There were times that I looked at when Panama would press, and sometimes they'd send five guys and Moadu said it on the, on the broadcast. If they could play a little bit quicker, they're actually overcommitting numbers. That mm -hmm, if you have mm -hmm. enough intelligence or 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 you're thinking fast enough, or you or you're composure. you're kind of mm -hmm. yeah composure and you're tuned in, we know that we have the technical ability and and whatnot. We can break this, but it, it, it was almost like they called our bluff every time. And again, people talk about well, the pitch is slow or it's not that nice and it's hard. Yeah, to they're playing on the things. same pitch. Dude. Yeah. Okay, but I yeah. Uh, go ahead. But 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 my my point was is that. What I liked about against Jamaica and the second half against Honduras was that willingness to just fight, right? Just and, and take away actually Jamaica. I'm talking about second half Honduras. Just that willingness to fight to say, okay, again, you're going to break through one line of pressure. The next guy's going to arrive, and and you can see that energy. Uh, we didn't see much when the subs came in, but you could see that energy come back a little bit of just that willingness to play, just a half step quicker. You know, where the game starts to become a little predictable, in out, in out, out the other side, and it's playing at it just. You know, Jimmy, when you played in games where just the quality just gets a little bit higher, because you know, you 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 went from playing MLS to playing with the national team to playing in a World Cup, that it's not it's not a world of difference, but the game just gets a little bit faster and a little bit quicker and a little bit like just mm -hmm, less mm -hmm, room mm -hmm. for error. That right. when if we can get to that point, things will change. But if we stay in this kind of like nervous mode of like, I don't want to make mistakes, I don't want to take, I don't want to be the one taking the risk. It just seems like other teams have sort of unlocked themselves to playing freely more than the U.S. does. Sorry. No, you make point. a great point. No, no, and I appreciate that. And shout out to Garrett who says we're very handsome. We appreciate you, Garrett. He also said zero shots on goal. And I want to use that comment from Garrett also with your point, Heath, and kind of tie them together because there was one moment in the first half that I saw Yunus Musa pick up the ball. You probably remember this at midfield. He had a great turn to come out of that pressure that you're talking about, Heath. And then he runs and breaks the lines, breaks that press, the, the one that Panama are overplaying on because they don't think that we're good enough to play out of it or won't do it enough consistently and they can break us on it because we are a bit naive or a little bit too casual, right? But in this particular moment, Yusamusa had a great turn. He ran with the ball 20 yards, broke the lines. We played the ball wide and we actually had meaningful runs from Zardes. Like he could actually time yeah. his run. Yeah. We were so frantic. I can't even remember a time during the game where we were actually like, Boom, boom, boom. You know, a little tiki-taka for five passes, especially in our attacking half. I can't recall that yeah. ever happening. If it did, it felt very peripheral, right? It didn't feel like we were really intersecting or, or cutting out yeah. players from Panama. They were always in control of the game. And I think that's what pisses us off the most, is that we never felt like we were in control of the game. We never made them suffer. They were never yeah. uncomfortable. Now, in fairness to our strikers, and I'm going to say this here, this starts with our back line. And Heath, I kind of wanted – we didn't even done this before – but in a review, I kind of let's go line by line and really evaluate what happened here. Ooh, now we changed I like that. We changed three three players in our back line from the Jamaica yep. game. That's too many players for me. I, I maybe two, and they could be your outside backs, but it, it just feels like there's too many players to change. Okay, yep. okay. Say you want to agree to that. 
Then you then you change out your center defensive mid, the guy that you're used to sitting in front of you to to kind of block the passing lanes. And sure, Acosta's done the job. But Mark McKenzie, let me go back to the center backs. Mark McKenzie and, and Walker Zimmerman have never started together, and they've played 34 minutes together in total. That's not a lot of time to throw them into the pressure cooker of a away game in CONCACAF. It just isn't. And then you throw in a center defensive mid who isn't Tyler Adams. I love Kellen Acosta. Don't get me wrong. I love his game. But Tyler Adams has been the guy for us. We know he has the energy. We know he has the legs. The guy's the spine of your team. He was the captain. Dude, throw out Tyler Adams again until he can't run anymore. That's And then we can bring on Kellen Acosta another time. This isn't about anybody's feelings. World Cup qualifying, we don't care about your feelings. We need the players that are going to go out there and perform and are used to playing with each other. I just thought it was too many changes in the back line. I thought on the right side, Shaq Moore, okay, he did okay in Gold Cup, and he was okay today, but did he make a fundamental difference for us? I don't know if Yedlin would have either. Maybe Des probably wouldn't have either. I don't know. George Bello, for me, 18 years old. I don't want to give him too much grief because he's still very young and you're still learning the position. The goal we gave up against Honduras, he just got caught ball watching. He wasn't alert enough to know that it might be a guy that he needs to slide over and help and cover, right? That comes with experience. So we start him in this game and he almost got caught early on in the first half. They should have scored and the guy missed it with his toe. And George Bellow's not sliding over. Like he's allowing somebody to get inside of him. So I see that. Then I see later in the first half, he's got Timothy Wea tracking the runner behind him. So there's no communication between the two. And I just thought, that was a really naive choice to throw George Bellow out there. But the thing is, we don't have any other options. Right. Serginio Dest is hurt, apparently, or he's got a knock. And Anthony Robinson didn't travel. So so that, that for me, was like a hope spot. But anyway, I want to hear your thoughts on the yeah. back line. Anybody else wants to chime in on the comments or you know, let us know later on on the, on the podcast as well. Let us know. It is funny. Uh, Gooch was saying at the halftime on Paramount Plus, uh, on the halftime show, he was saying, change the, change the, the outside backs, change the fullbacks. And I don't know if he was just saying, because he didn't say what the suggestions were, what the changes are, right? You could put in Yedlin, uh, but there wasn't really a ton of options, right? There, you, you would really be going out on a limb to make the changes that, that you had to here. But here is what I'm, here's what my issue is. There is a man named Joe Scally who's not in this camp. Uh, that could have been your yeah, chance. Yeah. He's, not even, right. he's not even left footed. He's not even I left love back, this. Right? No, keep going. But, I love this. But, but I, do, I, I do think that, you know, if you're talking about having that 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 moment of uh, the, the bad Mexican food and makes you change your mind at night, that could be the guy that you go to. You know, he taking that step up to play in the Bundesliga is a big leap. The the quality of where he was and where he is now, he's been able to cover that gap. So there's some trust there, and and he's more of a, a fullback anyway. He's not an out now an attacker, but anyways, mm-hmm. on that back line, I thought it was again I, a disjointed at best. And you talked about it defensively. I'm going to talk about it offensively. Okay, there were times that Walker was driving up, George Bella was driving up, you know, uh, Mark McKenzie was driving the ball up, and you're like, okay, that's the right thing to do in this situation. And then you're just sort of waiting until the press almost makes that tackle, and they're just playing a square ball or they're, or or something, or they're forcing it, or we tried a few diagonal balls that were off. There was just like this disjointed, what do we do in the buildup? What do we do if they press us? What do we do if we break pressure? What do we do if they sit back against us? And this constant confusion in the back line and then also Acosta. And by the way, when you talk about Eunice Musa doing that drive up the field, and I tweeted this, and this is the silver lining that I have for a player like him. Tried it in the first few minutes to get a little, little cute. Got the ball poked away from him, right? That is usually when we go to these games where we see a number of our players go into a shell and just try to survive, right? They make mm-hmm. a few mistakes. Mm-hmm. They get shook. They're like, oh my gosh, it's hot here. It's humid. It's bouncy. It's like, <laughs> you start oh my, thinking about world. everything but yeah. the game. Yeah, yeah. Like there's this, there's this, uh, you know, elephant that's on my, on my chest right now. I can't breathe, you know, all these things. And, and it happens. It's happened to me before in those situations where you're like, man, this is, re- I am not the player that I thought that I was. Look at what I'm doing right now. 
But then he continued and was just completely unfazed by those moments of and mistakes. And his willingness to come back when Kellen Acosta, I don't think, wanted the ball in tough spots and, and Sebastian Legette didn't want the ball in tough spots. It was coming all the way back to be like, give me the ball. I'll take it. I'll mm-hmm. turn. I'll turn. I'll be on the half turn. I'll get into these tough spaces. I'll play that, that square ball that's going to have to break two guys who are trying to bite on my pass. And that, to me, was like amazing. So then when he came out, I was shocked again at when I look at Greg Berhalter choosing to leave in Kellen Acosta, bring in Tyler Adams. I'm like, why would you take Eunice Moose off again? Maybe he needs him in the third game. Maybe he saw something that I didn't. I didn't think that Eunice Musa was at his best, but at least he was, you could see that he was, he wasn't trying to do something. Yeah. He wasn't phased by, by the moment. Right. And I thought a number of our players were phased by the moment. And again, he's young and I know that you don't want him to whatever, whatever. You can't use I mean, you can leave George Bellow out who I thought was struggling too. And you leave Eunice Musa on. So that kind of cancels out that, that young argument, you know, but yeah, but I do want to get your thoughts on this Heath because we got one from Kai and we got one from Nio. By the way, Natalie Cross was was uh, agreeing with you earlier when she said uh, Greg Berhalter – well, not agreeing with you. She was agreeing with there's too many changes, but she was saying Greg Berhalter got cocky with the seven changes. Uh, yeah, it's a good there. shout. No, no, and, and and Kai said the same thing. Like These guys are used to playing three games in seven days, especially the ones that play in Europe with the Champions League or Europa League or whatever it is. Why is it all of a sudden this big arduous task that we they can't handle it? You know they they can't handle it. I know there's a lot more travel here, and the travel's a little bit farther. But Jimmy, you still. did it. Jimmy, you did it. I you did would it. go and play I two lo- qualifiers, go I back to your it. club team, and play in your game. That is a I lot. Loved of, it. That there's no like that's still a flight somewhere around the world. Two flights around uh, two qualifiers, and then you go back and play. And I think again. I get that we need to rotate. You always rotate based on the game at hand. You might and be seven's playing a lot. offensively or defensively, but seven is a whole new team. And you're getting what? Maybe one training session? Maybe one training maybe. session? Right, right. Right? Like, tactically? Like, how do you, like, again, I, unless I we, honestly, we don't I have honestly, like an, Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I, no, I just want to jump in and say, I honestly wish you wouldn't have told me that he, he texted the players late at night saying they were starting. That just makes me feel like it was more of a roll the dice. Here's who we're going with. Best of luck, boys. We got this. I trust you kind of thing without kind of really thinking through what that meant. Because seven changes is a lot. So there's my question to you. Uh, Nayo said, and this is a great question. We've had more bad halves in World Cup qualifying than good ones. At what point? At what point is coaching the issue? That's a good question, man. I mean, I'll let you go first. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Hey, thanks. We're both thanks friends for, with Greg. Hey, That's the hard. Thanks part for that. that. Thanks for that tee up, Jimmy. Let me go ahead and answer this. Uh, I got Des right now on the live uh, edit. Our, our producer on the live editing app, ready to chop this thing up and chuck it out into the ethos. But no, I, I think I think I think we are at a risk of over tinkering and over analyzing these games. I again go back to the fact of the only times this team has been successful. And don't get me wrong. We've played decently at times and we played beautifully at times. But what has made this team successful is energy, it's fight, it's desire, it's commitment. It's it's the game being predictable for our team, being on the same page. It hasn't been for because of long stretches of quality play or or the fact that we've seen our best players that play, you know, 10 plus Champions League players come out of their shell to become greats on our national team. We're talking about Brendan Aronson being one of our best because of what he does, right? He's efficient. He understands the game. He came on the field today and you could just see he speeds the game up a little bit more. Tyler Adams, same thing, speeds the game up a little bit more. So why are we continuously going into these games and not pressing higher and not making it harder? Why not take calculated risks to win the ball in higher positions? There is a risk in anything that we do, but there's more risk when you're just going to sit back, not necessarily sit back, but be disjointed in the way that you play. So I do think coaching uh, has a big thing to play in this. I also don't want to forget, by the way, how hard these games actually are. They are hard. 
I, I, I don't remember ever going to any away game, any way call, qualifier that I played in and coming out of it being uh, satisfied or, or, mm-hmm. or stimulated or excited about the way I played. Even if we won on the road in an away qualifier, I still went into the locker room being like, am I going to start next game? Because I didn't really <laughs> do much. Like I kind of just I defended know. well. I know. I, and I, know. I like kicked the ball into the stands and I had a few crosses and I completed most of my passes. But like, is this like how I would judge myself as a player? I don't know. But we got the result that we needed. And again, when you go down to that one moment, we talk about set pieces. You talk about individual moments of a game that make you go, okay, fine. It's going to be ugly. We're going to suck today and whatever. We're still going to get something out of this game. And to give up something playing in a zone mark, again, back to that Mm, question mm. about coaching, uh, zonal marking away from home where just a simple flick can beat you, uh, I I think is is poor. It's just poor. And and that goes down to the players because, again, you know what it's like, Jimmy. Set pieces are a mentality. That is uh, extremely personal. You got to make it very, very hard. I think doing that zonally is very hard to to be accountable. But yeah, like, you just you just triggered yeah, me yeah, because I put yeah. out a tweet as well. And before I get into what my tweet said, make sure you hit that subscribe button after you write a comment, suckers. Okay, and and we're gonna get to Preston's thoughts here about the subs and and some of the selections there and leaving on a cost and legit for ninety minutes. He thought it was a bit curious, and I think Keith and I would both agree with that. But obviously, there might be some thoughts about Costa Rica. In hey, mind keep those, keep those questions and yeah, comments, keep those coming, comments coming though we want to keep answering as many of your questions Humming as we possibly can yeah now with regard to my tweet i wrote i hate i hate i usually i, I rarely use the word hate it, it uh it's just so strong you know and yeah. it's uh divisive of course but it just feels so absolute and i wrote i hate zonal marking on set pieces on defending set pieces i just can't stand it i just the fact that you would stand in a line and then not mark anybody. And when you're not marking somebody, that means they get to actually run and jump and time. They have all the momentum and you're standing there. And then you have to to jump from a standing position and try to head a ball out. It's just, I don't know where the advantage is. Sure. You're there. There's safety in numbers. I suppose that if you put enough guys there, they're not going to have that space to run. But do you think that's a crutch though, Jimmy, do you think that's a crutch? Because I, 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 I I struggle with the same thing. I, I struggle understanding. And there's a number of games that I've called this year in major league soccer, where they play some of the teams play in, in zonal marking and they get, I I don't mind. I don't mind a mix of both. Like you can have one or two guys zonal, but the rest have to be marking. Yeah. You just have to, you get your guy because they don't believe better than you. Do you think that's because know. they don't think that the man marking is good enough? Or do you think that's the system that they think is best? Because I I, I could see it going either way or arguing for either side. Well, but this is if a you system think that they thought they're going to hold guys offside by not putting anybody on the line. That's the new fashionable thing on defensive mm-hmm. set pieces. You don't put yeah. anybody on the post. And that way, when the flick comes in, they're going to be offside. Well, if the flick is an own goal off Jossie Zarda's heads, who gives a shit if you've got somebody <laughs> on the post or not? You know, so I just don't like zonal defending. And Taylor Twelman. One of our friends and former teammates also said, when you have somebody starting off the post, they go attack the ball and head it forward. Jossie Zardes is now zonal defending, and now he tries to get his head on it, and he heads it back towards our goal. There's just so many reasons and so many ways things can go wrong in zonal defending and, and, and that I feel like you could, uh, you could eliminate a few of those if you just had maybe their top three players on set pieces man-marked and get as difficult as possible for them to get any type of momentum. And then you have one or two guys, maybe one that's off. We used to have somebody right off the six. He'd be, on, he'd be on the six-yard uh, box, even with the first post. That guy would be zoning the first, and he'd attack everything in front of him. And then you'd have somebody, like, even with the goalkeeper in the middle on the six-yard box, and that's it. Those are your two zonals, and everybody else is man-marking. You maybe have somebody on the near post holding the post. And, yeah. and, and then everybody else is doing their job. And, and it becomes very clear that what you have to do to have success, zonal defending for me is just, it's what's just what we saw what happens. It pisses me off. Yeah, I, I agree. 
I think <laughs> zonal. Well, zonal marking. Just I think there's generally. a place to mix there was, it. There, but, there but, was a moment. There was a moment in this game, Jimmy, and where there was a free kick from wide against, and the players had their arms stretched out, arm to arm, and they were almost measuring the gap. I'd never seen this before, and maybe it was just a random moment where they all just had sort of airplane wings, arms out, but like they were all putting their arms out to sort of gauge distance between the players as they were pushing more and more players towards the back uh, from, from the near post. And, oh, and, I remember. And, and I Matt friend- Turner was doing was telling the uh, Leggett to come back further to the right, and then he would bump the next guy, and it was like this gap, this spacing thing. And the problem is, is it just takes one player to drop early or it takes one player to not drop into the right spot to break that. And again, it's easy for us to criticize that when it doesn't work because, you know, for the same thing, he might be saying, well, we've been doing this forever and nobody's saying anything because it, it was it was working. But now because we get scored on, you, you want to criticize the man marking, like go back and we've done it. You know, perhaps they've done it for 20 games. And we haven't noticed. Right. I don't I don't actually know that. But I'm not, I'm just personally not a, a fan of it at all, because like you said, I, you against me, you could be the best header in the world. If I get a one step drop, I'm out jumping you every time and mm-hmm, I'm getting mm-hmm. up before you can get up so that right. even if you do challenge me, I'm up over the top of you and I'm I'm I'm, I'm winning that header. I mean, you've everybody's done it. You go for a header. And you feel like you've got it. And if somebody gives you that slight nudge, you've got no more momentum. You can't generate any power because all of a sudden you're trying to head the ball and it's like all neck. You're not using your full body anymore and it just mm-hmm. throws you off. I just wanted to say very quickly that I remember the player talking about because I had a friend text me going, is this rec soccer? What are these guys doing on defending? And I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to respond to this text. I'm, I'm, I'm upset right now. Now, with regard to what Preston said before, he wanted to talk about the subs. And, and you know, we brought on Aronson, we brought on Taylor, Tyler Adams. Cool. Great. That's going to hopefully help us improve. But to your point, he took off Musa. And I don't feel like Adams and Acosta play well or as well when they have to share that space together because they kind of do the same things. That could be left for a different conversation. But ultimately, we're at 0-0 and he puts in, he basically puts in a double pivot. So one of those two guys has to join us and join the attack and or help us transition in a meaningful way. Then he brings on Aronson, who now has to kind of catch up to the speed of the game. And he's trying to do the best he can, but you could tell he didn't, he wasn't looking, it was hard for him to combine, I thought, in some ways. Yeah. And then when we're down a goal, he brings on DeAndre Yedlin. And and I was a little bit perplexed by that as well. Now Ricardo Pepe came on as well. And and there was one other player that I'm forgetting at the moment that came on as well. Oh, Roldan came on. But but the Yedlin one was a bit interesting because I didn't think Shaq Moore was hurting us in a way. But Yedlin did come on as a sub against Honduras and ultimately dropped in a dime for Pepe to score. So maybe there was some of that impetus. There was that kind of thought behind it. What did you think about the subs? And this goes for everybody listening and watching as well. Yeah, it's weird for me because two poor performances, if I go with Honduras and I go with this game, and we're doing halftime subs, right? And I think halftime subs make a statement. That's a statement to the player who's been subbed out that I'm not even giving you the extra 50. The the maybe two or three times that I was subbed out at halftime in my career we're defining moments between me and the relationship with the coach because he's making mm-hmm. a statement. He's telling you, mm-hmm. I'm not even giving you a chance to come into the locker room at halftime. And I'm going to talk to you and say, hey, you better figure it out. Because you know how many times that in your career mm-hmm. you have that where somebody's like, hey, I'm going to light a fire under. You got 15 minutes to figure it out or I'm going to sub you out and you're going to be done. To go on halftime and make those changes is basically an admission of getting it wrong. Right. It's not even being like, okay, maybe I can, we can settle down and change some tactics and figure it out. It's like saying, okay, I I got this wrong. And that's where I'm kind of seeing this with Greg, where he's doing these halftime changes. And again, I wanted Eunice Musa to stay on the field. Yeah. I agree with you. Like, I at least, I actually thought legit, I mean, legit. And there's another thought that Preston said. I want to throw it out there just so you can finish your thought. But he left Acosta 
and Legette out there for 90 minutes when I thought Legette wasn't being that impactful. He's going to do the work, of course. Do the guys, I, I, I have nothing but respect for how hard this guy works and, and to have even put himself in this position to be somebody we can rely on as a national team. But, but at that point, I don't think he was helping us move the game along and he wasn't helping his transition in a way that was helpful. So you keep Musa on who to our points before was trying to actually look for those types of link up plays and trying to make something happen and maybe bring on at this point, I'm actually looking for somebody that can settle the game down a little bit, a Busio, a, a De La Torre, uh, another guy that can help us do that, that, Maybe can find those that ball in the half spaces as you mentioned before. Do you think it's? Do you think but, there was some thought behind why Acosta and Legette stayed on for the ninety minutes? I, I again, I'm not really sure. Again, I, I think Legette, I think, I, and I think Acosta are hugely important for this team in terms of the type of game we need them to come in and and have an impact. Right? That might mm -hmm. that just wasn't today. And if you look at what Eunice Musa did well against Jamaica, which earned him the start in this game was just getting into spots that make it very difficult to defend and understanding how to get it out of them, how to triangulate that midfield that made the players around him better, got time for the players around him. Just that one time where he turned and ran up the field, broke pressure on the dribble, he did that against Jamaica, and you go, okay, now they've got to respect him in a different way. Well, guess what? Now the next player gets to pop into that space, or now he checks back and somebody tracks and follows him because they're like, I can't let him turn, and now you freed up space for somebody else. And that confidence and that willingness to know that this guy can break us at any time makes the players around him better. And so when they took him out, I thought, again, we went very, it became one-dimensional again. And again, I think Acosta is a quality player, but when you're trying to break through a team, you go, okay, take him out. So then what's next? You got Tyler Adams, you got this double pivot in there. Are we going to play through that? Because I don't think they've, we, we've ever played through anyone that well with the two of them, um, except for maybe some minutes against, uh, against Mexico when we figured out how to, how to break the press. But otherwise, you're like, okay, what are we, okay, now we got double pivot. Are we going to go into a back three? Are we going to release our fullbacks to go higher? I mean, what is the reason behind it that's going to create the advantage for this U.S. team? Mm -hmm. Are we now going to play more direct? Are we going to play diagonal balls? Is the ball going to come in, out, and out the other side, and now we've got ourselves a little bit of a counterattack situation or numerical advantage? I was trying to figure that out as it went along, and it just I would felt love like they threw in another player just to, just to be more defensive I again. I would love to hear the instruction. And maybe at some point, because we have some friends on the team, just just give us some – maybe we'll have to wait till the window's over, right? Because they're, they're still in the middle of it. But after the fact, once they go back to their clubs, maybe we can get some more insight. I would love to hear the instruction that Greg was giving them in this game. When you come on as a sub, Brendan Aronson, this is what I want from you. And it, it could be as simple as I just need you to go find the game. I need you to sit on the ball and like allow us to actually transition in a meaningful way. I don't even really – remember us outside of a handful of times of creating numerical advantages, whipping a ball in where Zardis could actually make a timed run. And now I want to bring up Yak Yak's question. And Yak Yak, thanks for dropping it a few times in the comments. And keep those comments coming, everybody. We love the conversation that's happening there. Yak Yak said that Greg was fired from the, the Swedish club Hammerby because he couldn't create any offense. And when you look at tonight, we see something similar. Zero shots on goal. Now, as as some of that, you know, we're both defenders. We we see the game through a defensive lens. Me probably more so than you. And so it's really really interesting when you start to look back at Greg's history as a manager that he's run into some of these problems before. They're not new, new things that that are kind of popping up in his managerial career. These are things that have kind of followed him around. Whether he was there at Hammerby, the Columbus Crew, or even now with the U.S. Men's National hey, Team. What are your thoughts on that? Here, here's a here's a follow up real quick, and then I'll, and then I'll answer that. Okay. Do you think, okay, and answer this honestly. Take that whole game. We finished zero zero. Are what's 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 your take? 
I mean, again, my, I'm my take is, no, no, no. I mean, it's not as it's a crap I've, game. The team played crap, but like course, I, course. you've gotten results in no, crap games before. Is no, that I, of course, of course. No, no, no. I would feel I would feel lucky that we got a point, that we survived, and, and we would be talking about what this team does so well is that even when you know this is the narrative when they don't play well, they still get results. And today they didn't play well, and they finally got caught. Now you had mentioned something on HQ that over the last five or six games. And there's a fun stat now. We haven't scored in the last eight first halves. That's that's a crazy stat to me. That's a, that's a trend. That isn't just some one-off game. That's eight straight games we haven't scored in the first half. That's something that needs to be addressed and looked at and thought about. And it kind of speaks to what Yak Yak was saying about us not being able to create offensive on offensive uh, opportunities uh, consistently. With the narrative for sure would be that we would be we know how to survive. We got this you know we got this backbone and all this stuff. We gave up a goal on a set piece. But we didn't play well. So if, if, if we did get the 0-0 draw, I'd, I'd feel grateful and, and thankful that uh, Panama didn't make mo- most of their opportunities. But I would still be leaning in hard on the fact that we didn't make them suffer. They were never uncomfortable. And that pisses me off. Like we didn't, we never put them, ah, just, it's crazy to me that we, because more often than not, even if you have the worst teams of all time, I'm talking FC Sheriff versus Real Madrid in the Champions League. No, I'll do respect that Sheriff. They're on top of their group right now. But, but let's just say Sheriff against Real Madrid. Even Sheriff is going to have t- maybe a 10-minute window where they're going to kind of have control of the game because Real Madrid's tired or things aren't working out or whatever. It's just what happens in the, in the sport. Play 90 minutes, the other team, no matter how poor they are for the most part, are going to have a little bit of the game. We didn't have any of the game, dude. I don't remember us having any of the game. And that's what makes me the most pissed. And I think I'd still be talking about that, whether we got the 0-0 or lost 1-0. Yeah. And I will say this against Jamaica. And and by the way, Des, there was a comment up recently. Uh, I think it was about um, Ricardo Pepe that you just put up um, about needing to be our savior to to get it right um, mm-hmm, at the end mm-hmm. of games. I don't remember what the exact comment was. So if you want to throw that up again, I'll, I'll we'll address it. But Greg Berhalter plays uh, Greg Greg Berhalter ball, right? I do think, <laughs> to his credit, when he was in Columbus, a very attractive style of play, knew how to build up in the game, had the quality players, a personnel-based system. You can't just decide you're going to play it, right? We've seen coaches in the past that just go, you know what, I'm going to play this way because this is the right way to play football. This is the right way to play soccer. And you're like, yeah, but like, you know, you have a bunch of guys that that got two, two left feet. And so what do, you, what do you want us to do in this situation? I will say that Greg Berhalter has evolved um, in, 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 his, in his style of play. And now I think we're, we're seeing that we're kind of caught between, which is, What's the identity of the team? The upside of Greg Berhalter playing just Greg Greg Ball what, every single game from the very beginning, now 40 games in, is you would have an identity, right? You would have an identity that you could go back to fundamentally. Okay, first 15 minutes, we high press. After that, we drop our lines to the top of the circle, okay? If they break our pressure, we fall into this line. This is our line of confrontation. This is how we defend. Mm-hmm, when we mm-hmm. win the ball, this is where the spaces are when we're playing against a four-back or a three-back or when somebody crowds the midfield in a diamond or whatever, one striker, two striker. You learn all those things through in the game so you have an identity on and, and situational awareness to know what when the game's giving you something, how to get out of that. The problem is I think we've shifted away. I think Greg has evolved knowing that he's got this much energy and speed. I think that we're, we're a good team and in a lot of other ways, and now we're trying to piece all this together. And not only do we not have a best 11, we don't have a best 18. We don't have a best 21. And so we're just mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. it's almost like we, we are our own worst enemy in terms of yeah. player development. Jimmy, yeah. most of the time in ours, like in, in our generation, you were, you know, you kind of knew who were the 16, 17. Yeah, the rest right, were like right. scrapping for, for, for anything. You knew that 
you're going to use Brian Ching down in Costa Rica to fight for everything. Like there wasn't a whole lot of other options, right? Like that's right. the way it was. And now you've got all these different often options and you don't have just like a player that's better than the other player. You have a completely different type of player that can be a striker. You have a completely different type of player in Yunus Musa than you have in Sebastian Legette. You have a completely different type of player in Kellen Acosta than you do others in your midfield. And so you have all of these wide ranging styles of play and you're trying to kind of hodgepodge them all into a system and I don't think we figured that out. But I do want to say I give credit to Greg for trying that. But I, but I think fans are starting to say, hey, you're getting it wrong more than you get it right. Let's figure it out. Yeah, or as Wes is saying there, you can see the comment on the screen. Greg hasn't evolved. <laughs> oh, I thought he, I think he has evolved. I, I think he I think, has think a little bit moved too. away from his system of play or style of buildup where we have to play through everything. You remember the early days? Oh, we tried to play through everything. Remember when we played Mex evolved. Mexico and New York City? I yeah. was there in the stands, and it was Zach Steffen touching the ball more than anybody else on the field for us. And we lost 3 0 because we were trying to play out of it. And, and he's like, we got to try it. This is the time. I'm like, what do you No, we, we try this stuff when they're U15 national team. And then as they develop in that system, then, then, then you make sure it comes into the full team. You don't try this stuff no. with the full national team. Like, are you insane? So yeah, I do think he's evolved in some ways. And now he's, you're talking about a possession based guy that loves triangles and rondos. I'm sure he's a lot of rondos in his life. Yeah. But, but now he's talking about verticality, you know, and I know it's not straight like route one verticality, but there's some element of that, that I don't think I would have thought he would ever come out of his mouth, you know, five, six years ago. So, well, the problem with, it, with, with that, the evolution uh, yeah. is that, that you, you fall into these gaps where you're kind of stuck between the old and the new, and you haven't gotten into a rhythm. And that's the problem with a national team in general is that you don't get enough time to evolve it. Right. Greg Berhalter plays the same system at Columbus crew the entire time that he's there and, and you tinker and it changes and evolves. I don't want to disrespect that and say he did the same thing over and over, but it, it's still rooted in something. And I think the national team is now on this journey and growth of like, Oh wow, I think we have some different types of players mm -hmm, now. Maybe mm -hmm, we can mm -hmm. try something different and we're caught in between that. That doesn't take away, take Greg Berhalter aside. You still put 11 players on the field against 11 players from Panama and our players I think are of higher quality and better, and they got outplayed, they got outfought, they got outworked in the same way that we did against uh, at times against El Salvador, against Honduras, and that comes down to fight, a mentality, and that needs to be very clear. And and again, I, I, I said this many times, Jimmy, and I, I know I'm, 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 I'm going off on these tangents, but if I'm Greg Berhalter, the only video I am showing my team, especially when we're playing away, is what won us the tournaments this summer, mm -hmm. and that was not... We didn't, you know, uh, play through everybody. That we, we, the only team that we dominated was who Martinique this summer. Gianluca Busio was the American Pirlo in that game, and like we we dominated. But outside of that, we played okay. But we found ways to get results through fighting, being difficult to beat, you know, scrapping for stuff. Like that mentality was there, and that's the only thing that I'm applying to these games. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, you know, okay, maybe line of confrontation press and all that stuff. But the rest will come, and if you have that as a foundation. You become very, very hard to beat, but I think we go back into these situations where you have all these quality players that don't play like this in their club, and they go, man, this is different. I don't know. It I'm is kinda, it I is don't different. know if I like this. It's not that fun. Yeah. You know, when you tell me we're going to go down there, we're going to just fight, I'm going to kick the ball long a bunch of times, and then maybe we get a point? Like, Of course, that's an identity crisis, and, and, and I'm worried about that, but that's all I would keep showing these guys to say, hey, when we are at our best, it's because of these things that we control, not anything else that, that exists out there. Sure. So, all right, everybody, we're going to take – no, no, no. I love the tangents are going to go on. We're going to keep those coming right after this short break. So do not go anywhere. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. 
Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Kago Lasso podcast. I'm Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. men's national team player, alongside your second favorite former u.s men's national team player heath pierce maybe if he was hosting i might be i might be i might be third now jimmy with with some of my takes tonight i'm falling well, i don't know I don't, down some people well, i might be okay. going up moving up we, we or, might I'm, be down the list i don't ricardo <laughs> pepe i think still maybe number one in everybody's hearts at the moment and we're we got a question down, yeah. from maximus prime who did want to know who our best 11 is for the u.s and and i did want to bring that up because i do think for all the greg haters out there there still has to be an element of understanding that we don't we didn't have a lot of players to select from you know, for, from this particular game, Weston McKinney wasn't there. Uh, Pulisic, Reyna, there's there's Anthony Robinson. So we're a little all of a sudden feel really thin on the left side. Dest, I think, was nursing an injury from, you know, we're, we're missing out on John Anthony Brooks didn't even come. Tim yeah. Ream didn't come. You know, we have we're missing some pieces here. That said, I still don't think he got the lineup right, given what he did have at his disposal. But, yeah, it's it's really interesting with regard to. To the current situation. So before we actually get to the best 11 being able to choose everybody, I guess from a healthy squad, if you want to go there, but I did want to say, why didn't Matthew Hoppy play this game? And, and, and what are your thoughts on potentially Chris Richards not getting to start in this one? Was it just because Walker Zimmerman played so well and McKenzie deserved a look after his performance against Honduras in the first qualifying window? Cause I want to see Chris Richards play. And if you're going to roll out all those changes, why not roll out everybody, you know, but I was actually kind of curious about Richards and then Matthew Hoppy, any, any chiming in on that? Yeah, and by the way, for for anybody who's just tuning in, make sure you throw those comments in. And if you haven't already, you're just wandering upon this page. Make sure you subscribe. Um, you know, we talk about all things all the time. Jimmy and I taking over right now uh, the pod for for this Concacaf qualifying. But uh, look, I, I think Matthew Hoppy is one that's confusing to me because he seems to not care who he's playing against. He kind of just has again that same Brendan Aronson energy where you're like, well, at a minimum. He's going to run at guys. He's going to try things. He's going to work. He's going to fight back. He's going to have that energy mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. that I think is so infectious in this team. And so I'm a little bit surprised. Chris Richards, you know, again, hasn't been great in the national team, but he's playing every game in the Bundesliga again. And I think there's something to do with that. Gianluca Busio looks great for Venezia right now. Yeah, the team's struggling. And yeah, he's very, very young, just like Chris Richards. They're actually super young. But what's the difference? And if I'm Mark McKenzie, I'm going, hey, man, why do I get to play these away games why can't i get the jamaica game <laughs> at home you know why can't i get it where we're spread yeah, high yeah. and wide and i get to hit a few nice little diagonals and if i don't 
my wingers clapping his hands to me instead of going like, man, keep the ball. You know, you know, the difference is like you miss hit a long ball in a game where your team is buzzing and people go, oh, yeah, nice try down in, in Central America. Everybody's yelling at you to keep the ball. Stop turning it over. So uh, I, I again, those are those are some of the changes that I'm wondering. Ma- Matthew Hoppy is a player that I think should have had a role in these first couple of games and could certainly disrupt play. And I think has it even off the bench when you're talking yeah, about bringing, bringing like, that energy off the bench. I'm just we not brought sure. in DeAndre Yedlin. We need a goal, you know, yeah. like bring on Matthew Hoppy, throw as many guys forward as we can. And at the end, we got Walker Zimmerman going up top, right? I know Would at you, that point we didn't well, have any subs, but it's just been like, why we need, why we need to shift it to a back three at that point. Like we give up another goal. Well, at least we were trying to push forward. You know, that's yeah. what gets me a little bit frustrated again, to reiterate what Heath said. If you're new here, Hit that, what we call it, a subscribe button here. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a comment about how you're feeling about the U.S. men's national team's performance against Panama. We're obviously frustrated. I know can tell that. Uh, Jimmy, we got a hot yes. take on the screen right now. A real hot What take. is it? Richards is better than Zimmerman and McKenzie. Not necessarily a hot take. I mean, Chris Richards, young. He's still unproven at the national team level, which I think now, hurts. that would be the only the only caveat is that yeah, he's still caveat. unproven. But he, in he terms looks of fantastic like, in the Bundesliga, is, and, is, and is by the way, Hoffenheim's a huge club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I, do you think that's a hot take, or do you think uh, you know Jesse Jesse A is 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 on to something there? And again, it's a little bit critical. Uh, well, to, no, it's in, not in these away games, but but like, is there something to that? So so here's what I'll say. Yes, there is something to it. The benefit that a couple of our players got that are now kind of considered our first teamers was the Gold Cup. Mm-hmm. Okay. Matt Turner came in, had a lot to prove, played tremendous. He's, for me, he's our unquestionable number one right now yeah. as goalkeeper. Miles Robinson comes in. Oh, we're hoping, you know, talking about James Sands, talking about all these other guys. Miles Robinson, by the end of the tournament, obviously he scores the winner against Mexico. That's always going to help your, your cause. But that he, he secured his spot. Chris Richards hasn't had that type of run yet you know he hasn't had that run of games where he can prove himself and and i I was kind of hoping it would be this window now i don't know if greg's trying to bring him along slowly like hey this is what it's like to play in a world cup qualifier just sit and watch the jamaica game oh this is how it feels to be away from home take a look at how it feels and tastes and maybe you'll get to play the next one you know i don't know exactly what the methodology is but to 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 jesse's point if chris richards gets those run of games i think we'd be having that same type of conversation that hey, this partnership between Miles Robinson and Chris Richards is our partnership moving forward. And that could be John Anthony Brooks, you know, on the sideline, which would be kind of crazy because when he's in peak form and playing well, he's arguably one of our best center backs as well. I I will say that in a game like this, and I think Mark McKenzie does an ample job using his left foot, driving the ball up the field and connecting with his left foot, but not having natural sided left-footed player certainly changes your ability to change the point of attack, to find the weak side pass in these pockets, things like that. I think he attempts those at times, but uh, it it definitely changes the dynamic. So when you're thinking about John Anthony Brooks and things like that moving forward, it's really hard to imagine him not having a role. The upside, by the way, what we're talking about right now is a 22-year-old replacing a teenager who could could maybe sub in for a teenager. That's a really good... Uh, argument to have like we are top I think number two or three in the world for under 21 minutes played in Europe right now for players uh, of all from all nations the U.S. I think is second we have all these players coming through the pipeline right now and we're getting valuable experience I will say this the U.S. went and lost to Panama it is really easy to go out of these games with a point and then not learn anything right when we got when we were getting punched in the face in that first round, different players playing, different experiences, they came out of that with experience in the second half against Honduras and go, okay, that's what it's going to take. 
Now, I don't think we did that. I don't think we even got close to doing that. No, but, it never looked like we were going to score. No, but but I will say that this is another learning experience for this team. Okay, it's it's again, it's, it feels really good to to draw and learn, right? But when you lose and have to learn from that and know that, okay, you know, we lost everything in that game. We lost the fight, we lost the battle, and we lost all the points. And the whole world is now looking at us to now have to bounce back with, with a little bit of pressure. I think you continue to learn in these situations. Fortunately, we're not in a bad place in the table. We're playing this next game at home against Costa Rica. I think we're much better than, though I think Costa Rica is now going to have a different confidence. And yeah. so it, it is a learning experience. I don't want it to be all doom and gloom with this team. It was certainly a poor performance, an unacceptable performance. But um, yeah, as Aaron Hall is saying right now, Scali is better than Bello, Yedlin, Moore, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and again, another versatile player uh, who can play uh, fullback on either side. All right, I'm going to ramp up and just answer the question from before with Maximus Prime. I don't know what his name was, actually. Maximus, I don't know. Maximus something. So I'm going to go Turner in goal right now. I will say Anthony Robinson, left back, 4-3-3. Anthony Robinson, John Anthony Brooks. If everybody's healthy and fit and ready to go, Miles Robinson next to him, Serginio Des on the right. Tyler Adams holding in right in front of them. Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa. I like that three a I lot. I love looks- that. Oh my gosh. When you say that midfield, I get so excited. Say it one yeah. more time. Say yeah. that three you- one more time. Yeah. Tyler Adams holding and then right in front of him, Weston McKinney and Eunice Musa. Oh, I love that. I that love that midfield. Great. Injected straight into my veins. I tweeted that out not too long uh-huh. ago. And then I think you have Pulisic on one side. Ricardo Pepe, I think it's the guy, man. I really do until proven otherwise. I, you could obviously maybe flip-flop. You have a Hoppy. You could have a Daryl DK, a Josh Sargent. Jordan, I mean, we have, it's kind of cool that we can maybe pick and choose who we want up there, but I think Ricardo Pepe is the hot guy. And the fact that he didn't start when he's this red hot gets me a little frustrated too. But just to finish out this lineup right now, I kind of have Brendan Aronson over Gio Reyna and, and even though Gio Reyna, nothing's, nobody should be guaranteed a starting spot with the national team, right? Mm-hmm. Whether your dad played in four world cups or not. And, and even though he's a terrific player and plays for Dortmund, I just think that Brendan Aronson does a little bit more to drive the game. So I kind of put him there. And then obviously we have some tremendous super subs coming off the bench, which include Gio and, and uh, Timothy Weah and, and all the forwards that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. And, and then even in the back line, you can kind of pick and choose based on how players are performing. But that would be my starting 11 right now. Here's the only thing that I would, I would give the chance, and I'm going to go with that same, same lineup, except I'm going to go Gio Reyna over Brendan Aronson on this one. Purely because... Sub? No, no. As as my starter, Gio Reyna is going to be my starter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Brendan, 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 Brendan Aronson is a super sub for sure. Got it, for, got it, got at it. the moment. Now, I I do think that you can you have the ability with Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa, that you can pull in a Gio Reyna to play in that ten spot underneath, which I don't think he's been great at. But we also haven't had a Ricardo Pepe to play with, and I think that Ricardo Pepe is going to make Gio Reyna a much better player to know that he has that combination play somebody that. Again, uh, Ricardo Pepe's game That's is fair. relatively simple when his back is to the goal. And I think he gets players involved around him even better. And so I think Gio Reyna, who's a, a pass and move to feed off of him and get into good spaces and wants the ball back in, in, in tight spots for combination play, I think that could bring out the best in Gio Reyna within this national team. Um, That's fair. That's a fair thing. And I would be happy, happily switch that out. Yeah. Uh, but, based but, on peak form. but, but there's something about Brendan Aronson's yeah. game. I really like, I, I, otherwise that's the only thing that I can see of, of having him not be a starter. And then I would have to say, Hey, Gio, you're, you're going to have to find us. You're going to have to battle with Eunice Musa and Weston McKinney for that spot on the inside. Um, otherwise I just don't see, you know, and again, Brendan Aronson isn't going to be as effective as he is now. And I think his energy, um, 
is is a huge value to this team beyond just uh, what he does with the ball when he has the ball. I think it's something that this team needs to set the standard of moving forward. And I think when he has that, whether he's on or off, he just makes the game better and faster and more predictable. And I think that's hard to to erase. But I'm just giving Gio this this thought of like, hey, what no, if Pepe that's was uh, uh, the U.S. national team's um, Holland, even though it's... All right, we got a good question again from, from Nayo, who's just bombing in the good questions. We appreciate you. Keep those comments coming in the section. Hit subscribe. While you're hanging out there, you can hit return and then go slide over to the subscribe. And if you want to turn on your notifications, we're going to be getting after this all through World Cup qualifying. And of course, the Kegolasa pod bringing you all the good stuff. We have a ton of interviews with all the players on the team and not only the U.S. men's national team, but all the good stuff from around Europe and South America as well. I think you'd really enjoy it. So hit that subscribe button so you don't miss anything. Niall says, is the fact that we played this badly and remain second in the standings not proof of how easy and forgiving CONCACAF is instead of how difficult it is? I, I don't know. It's kind of looking at what, two sides of the same coin kind of thing? I don't know. Yeah. What's the phrase? <clears throat> yeah, two sides of the same coin, right? <laughs> I mean, I, sword? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, when I look at some of the, the, the groups over in Europe, or if you go look at Comibol down in South America, you find a lot of similarities that, yeah, it should be easier for some teams on paper, but then when you actually have to play the games, you realize it's a lot more difficult than that. So let's take a look at the standings as they are. Mexico getting the results in this one, putting them on top of the table. Have yet to lose throughout this competition. We're on eight. Panama's on eight. Canada, with a surprising draw, I actually thought that Jamaica were going to not necessarily lay down, but they just have not been playing to the, the best of their abilities. But uh, it's a big draw for Jamaica. Canada's got to feel like they missed out on some points on seven. Costa Rica with a big win coming back from 1-0 down to El Salvador to win 2-1. That's going to give them some momentum going into this one. And I want to get into some hypotheticals here with you and everybody else that's watching and listening, Heath. Uh, El Salvador... We like Hugo Perez, former U.S. men's national team player, coached a lot here in the youth side of things for the States. It went down and took over the national team job. Has done excellent there. A little unfortunate not to have a little bit more to show for it. Then he's had Honduras and then Jamaica at the very bottom. Let's play hypotheticals, though. Mm -hmm. Say we don't win this game against Costa Rica, even if it's a draw. Where do you think Greg Berhalter? Do you think we're riding out Greg Berhalter throughout this World, Qual World Cup qualifying phase, no matter what? Or maybe not no matter what. That feels pretty extreme. But I mean, if we drop a few more games, one more qualifying window where we don't get that many points. Do you think U.S. soccer would consider firing him? And if, and if so, now, now who would you bring in? And I feel like Jesse Marsh isn't a viable option because I think he's going to be with RB Leipzig, and I don't think he'll be ready to leave after only, what, six months on the job. So mm -hmm. it has to be somebody realistic, everybody in the comments. Well, who's coming for it? Landon? Landon wants the job, for sure. Landon wants the national team job. I, I guarantee right, right you, Landon. Now? I don't. He'll take it anytime. I think. I think for sure that's an ambition for any any player. Sure, sure. I, I think, but but I, I don't think he. I don't think we're at the point where we need to discuss his job yet. They. Well, that's US why we're playing hypotheticals. Hypotheticals. Well, I mean, we're going to discuss it, uh, but I'm not. I'm not <laughs> saying that. I, I don't think they're discussing his job yet. Saying, you know, I don't think they're creating hypotheticals uh, yet. Mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. took a long time to hire Greg Berhalter. Uh, if you remember, there was an interim uh, um, for like a year and a half before they before they hired that job. And it was all this argument of like, man, we've had all this time. You could have been getting this group together. You could have been building the next generation. Imagine if all these guys had 10 more games to them and blah, 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 blah um, of, of co cohesion. Well, guess what, Jimmy? There is no cohesion in this team now. We are rotating seven players in and out of things. So uh, I, I, I do, I do want to be critical of that. I, I would say today... It's the first time that I personally have thought about 
is Greg doing the right thing with these players and with these teams? Is he finding a way to motivate them? I know how how hard it is uh, at times to motivate players. Is he putting out the right game plan? Uh, is Does the team buy into it? Mm-hmm. And when you look at today, it just felt like a day where there was a lot of players that looked like they didn't know what to do to get a result down there. And maybe that's mm-hmm. lack of experience. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's too many changes. Maybe that's the, 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 the tactics. Maybe it's a number of things that all played into just a really bad night. But then I try to like, okay, let's isolate that. But then I'm like, no, I got to have this connective tissue with Honduras in the first half. And I got to have this connective tissue against Canada. And I got to have this connective tissue against El Salvador. And we've been able to sweep it under the rug because we, we, we were like, you know, we get points and we figure out how to stay in games and, and we, and we claw our way back miraculously against, against Honduras. Uh, But now when I look at it, I go, okay, maybe there's something more to it. I hope there's not, I hope we put together a, a, a fantastic result, which I think we should at home. I don't think we've had a, a string of games at, at, at home yet um, to really, really rally around. Uh, I think Jamaica was the first point and we go, okay, that's how we can play at home. So I, I want to see that against Costa Rica. I want right. to see a dominant performance against Costa Rica. But yeah, I think if, if, if we don't win this one, I think we're still in the thick of it all and you of get another course, three course, games and, and I still like our chances against anybody else in the, in, in the top three, but we're now, now you've got Costa Rica that's in the mix. You've got El Salvador that has some belief and like the worst thing that can happen is all these teams think that they they have a chance uh, because on any given day we've obviously shown that we can play poorly, especially away from home um, and even at home against against Canada. And so I'm worried about what that means for the belief in in Greg Berhalter if 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 he can't get three points. But like like I said, I don't I think it was on HQ. This went from being a, a this Costa Rica game went from being a must win to being oh my gosh we have to win. You know, mm-hmm. a must win because it's home game and you're supposed to win your home games to being like, a, oh, man, we've messed up and now we have to fix it. Uh, and that's not a great position, though. I do think we have the quality to do so. OK, so getting some great comments about who should be the coach on hell. Want to give a shout out to on hell. He says, Jimmy in sign yeah. me up, sucker. Heath will be my assistant. Let's roll. Baby. We can be co-head I, coach. I don't I, even I know. Mind. I'm more of like a second assistant. Like I like the I like to get out on the pitch, set up the cones. You know what I mean. Get ready for the five v two. Maybe jump in the five v two while while the first assistant and the head coach are warming up the group over there on the side that are going to play that day. You yeah, know, maybe sure. sling a few shots at the goalkeepers, that sort of thing. That's more I, that's more of my my role. I actually think you'd be amazing at it since I know you as well as I do. And then we had a, a shout from Hillian who said that Hugo Perez would be a great national team coach for us. Mm-hmm. And I agree with him, but that'd be crazy to have him leave El Salvador in the middle of qualifying <laughs> and go to the U.S. So that's crazy, but I'm here for it. And then we said Matt that said Oscar Pereja would be a good shout. I think it'd just be interesting. Somebody's like, well, well, if you had another coach, you know, what could they do to – to? it's just so hard to know these hypotheticals, even though I like to yeah. play and, and swim in those waters – we don't know what Oscar Perea could do with this team. We don't know what Hugo Perez could do with this team. It could be worse. That is one of the options. It could be worse. And, and I think Greg has done a great job building culture. I think he's done a great job of identifying talent and building a, a very deep pool. But then that next step is how can he get the most out of these guys? And we've seen it at times. But to a comment that was made earlier, there are times where we struggle going forward where we don't necessarily have the solutions that we need to have. And maybe there's not a lot of in-game tactics that are happening that can help unlock some of the pressure because the, the, the players, because as you know, right, you go into the game, if you're playing for 30 minutes away from home and it sucks and it's hot and it's bumpy and you don't have the ball, your frustration goes from a zero to a hundred so quickly because you're like, yeah. God damn it, why can't we just get everybody in a good shape and make plays? And it's so hard to regain that. And the other team, 
are savvy. They know exactly what they're doing and they know they have an advantage, both physically and mentally and tactically. And it's really hard to get that back. That's why I thought halftime at 0-0 was so important in this game and that we couldn't regain it. Even with a couple subs, we still couldn't find that way. I was surprised he didn't actually start Pepe this the second half as well, just to kind of get him into that rhythm right away. Instead, he waited. I thought he waited a little bit too long for Pepe, but yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts? I, I, I do want to say this. Before everybody thinks that Jimmy and I are driving 120 miles an hour with our seatbelts off ready to drive off a bridge, we're not. We're just <laughs> no, creating no, no, hypotheticals no. here. Yes, I, do want yes. to, I, I do want to say this, though. This team will qualify for the World Cup. Okay, I'm I not agree. worried about that. This team, 75% of it will be the DNA and makeup of the 2026 team. And I the agree. reason I say that is because what Greg Berhalter is dealing with is a lot of young players. And we don't have, we, we saw that we are lacking in the last qualifying cycle who the leaders are. And leaders aren't always by age. And we're starting to see some of them emerge in terms of being reliable, being consistent, um, being, a, being, being a good, like, leader by voice or by tone or by example uh, with the team. We're seeing the team go through the th throws of the, the controversies of, of Weston McKinney. Uh, we're seeing Tyler Adams role emerge. Tyler Adams has, I think, I think I saw today was like 17 caps. Can you believe yeah, that he has yeah. 17 caps? That's it. I know. It it's feels like he's been there up for there. He's, yeah. he's going to be our captain and, and, moving and, forward. For and sure. so when I look at this team, I, 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 again, look, our, our most capped players were Paul Ariola, Jossie Zardes, uh, I think Sebastian Legette is, is is up there. Um, but when I look at DeAndre Yedlin, obviously. But outside of that, you're talking about guys in single digits, maybe early double digits in caps uh, across the board, our best mm -hmm. players. Mm -hmm. You know, We're talking about Ricardo Pepe on match three, I guess, of, of his national team uh, run right now. We're talking about, you know, and oh, I guess Kellen Acosta's in, in the 40s as well. But but outside of that, these are young players. And I think th this is what you have to go through. You have to be go through some of these tough times as players. You wish that they didn't, weren't at the detriment to us as fans as result that come with the lack of results. But that is the upside that's going to come out of all this is the cohesion that's being built, the the unity that's that's being built out of these these hardships and these hard times, both good times and bad, that will lead this team forward, not just now, but we're talking about young players. We're not just talking about our best guys in the prime of their careers getting us to a world cup. And then we cross our fingers, hope we don't get in the group of death, which we will. Um, mm -hmm. And then, and then try to get results. We're talking about building a foundation for the future. And then when you look at the pipeline of, you know, not Brendan Aronson, I'm talking about Paxton Aronson, 18 years old and what he's going to be and the next generation of players that are going to fight for these spots. That's what makes me excited. Even on a tough night like tonight. Yeah, I agree with you. And I heard a lot about our 2005 class. So our U 17s right now are absolutely sick. And those guys are going to be around the same age as, the Eunice Musas and the George Bellows now. So when you start to add in that level of talent with what these guys theoretically getting into their prime, the future is, is incredibly bright. And we've been saying that for a long time. It's just a matter of time. We're actually here now. And now we just need that to take that one extra step. Now, our schedule is a little interesting. Obviously, we got Costa Rica coming up. The next window in November is only two games. So it kind of gets back into to the normalcy of, of what a normal qualifier used to look like when me and Heath were still playing. We got Mexico at home and away to Jamaica. And uh, that one, obviously, two, two tricky ties there. So it's going to be interesting times for the U.S. And, and Maloko wanted to say that uh, there are some players like Zardes, Leggett, Ariola, and Acosta who will be long gone by 2026. Yeah, four of and, 26. And That's four. You got 20 that, other yeah. players. You got 30 other players right now that are knocking on the door that are like 21, 22 years old. Those guys, no problem. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. 
We'll, that's we'll, part of we'll, it. That's we'll part of the evolution of it, yeah. right? When you have younger players that are better, they push out the older guys, and that's that's yeah. just how it works. Uh, whether and it sucks when you become one of the older guys that gets pushed out, but that's <laughs> uh, that's that's how I'm it almost works. At, I'm almost at ten years since my last cap. I think it was 2012 oh, in Panama. Man. By the way, my last cap I think was away in Panama. I just realized that right no now. No way. Um, yeah, uh, and it was in I think it was 2012. Uh, the last one. Oh, Mine was 11 on years ago. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm who's counting? You know, who's Nobody's counting? counting. You know? I, we counting. let it go. We, we, we let, let it go, go. We're like fine. within a week of the last one. We're fine. We're fine. So let's just talk really quick and pivot just to some of the other results. Anything that surprised you, Jamaica getting a 0-0 result against Canada, uh, Costa Rica coming back against El Salvador, going down 1-0, and then needing a Brian Ruiz goal. I think that guy's older than us, actually. He scored in the 52nd minute, and then they got a pen in the 58th minute to win that one 2-1. So that's uh, Celso Borges got the, the the six minutes later. So they scored two yeah. goals in six minutes. I was hoping the U.S. would pull out some of that magic as well. They couldn't make it happen after going down. And then you have the other result is Mexico beating Honduras 3-0. Pretty comprehensive performance. A performance they needed, frankly, because there's a lot of people asking for Tata Martino's head. Now, I do want to say that it was only 1-0. And then Maynor Figueroa got a red card in the 49th yeah. minute. And then uh, Funes More scored. He needed to score. Yeah, 76th minute, and then uh, Chucky Lozano scored in the 86th minute to really ice it for him. They needed that type of performance. What scares me about Mexico, just to pivot to them very quickly, is I still don't think we've seen them play their best. And they're on top of the table with 11 points. And if they can figure that out, they're going to run away with this qualifying window, and it's going to be everybody else chasing for that second and third spot. Yeah, I will say they've had now three of their five games at home, right? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I would love for the U.S. to get that third game and be able to jump to, to 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 similar points. But you're right; they're finding a way to get a little bit more out of performances that are have been a little stop start. I think it was a co pretty comprehensive against Honduras. There were chances that I think could have come back to haunt them at times. They were just mm -hmm. knocking on the door. Um, but they only gave up one shot on goal, though. They only gave up one shot on goal. Yeah, they only gave up one shot, and they were just. When when Chucky Lozano is back on the field now and um, Jimenez is back on the field now and now they've got, uh, what's his name? I'm blanking his name in, and he's actually... Uh, Tecatito? Uh, no, not Tecatito. He's he's back, but like... Um, Hector playing, Moreno. Hector Moreno, back in the back yeah, yeah. line. They're just starting I mean, to look like... He makes such a big difference, by the way, Hector Moreno. Yeah, he's, he brings such a calm a to the team. He, does. he brings so, a calm yeah, to them so and experience. everything that they do. But when you look at them again and, and, and you start to see, okay, they put three change three pieces back into the team and you go, man, this team is really good on the attack. This team is really organized. And yeah, there was still some chaos where, where uh, Honduras had a few looks on goal or they were able to spread them out or get them when they're a little disjointed, like anybody in CONCACAF. But like, they're still getting the points. That's the thing. They're still getting the points even when they're not at their best and they're trending upwards. And I think the U.S. is doing this kind of like heartbeat type of thing where like this pulsing of a heartbeat where it's kind of up and down and up and down and and that's not a strong foundation to, to rely on, where I think Mexico is just slowly getting better and they're continuing to get points with it. Which and is, getting healthy, you know, too. Yeah, yeah. No, to your point, I mean, I'm, I was looking at their, their team that they started today, and this is solid. This front three is sick. I mean, you got Tecatito, Raul Jimenez, and Chucky Lozano as your front three. Okay, maybe they weren't firing on all cylinders against Canada, but you knew they were going to somehow at some point find their way. You got Herrera, Alvarez, Cordoba in midfield. And then Rodriguez, Montes, Hector Moreno, who I think is so key to them, and Gallardo playing left back, and then Memo Ochoa and goal who can always save your bacon if you're having a bad day and get you a result single-handedly. He's done it time and time again. That is a solid, solid team. And even then, Mexican fans aren't happy with Tata Martino. They, they expect that team to do even more than what they're doing. And I think I want to tie that into the U.S. because I think what's frustrating for us is that we know that we should be competing with Mexico given the talent that we have. 
and that we did go toe to toe with them over the summer in two different tournaments. And yet we're still kind of at times either playing at the level of our competition or below it. We're not, we're not running away with it. We saw some, some evidence of that in the second half against Jamaica and obviously against Honduras another qualifying window, but we're not doing it consistently enough. And I think that's what frustrates a lot of us fans, whether we're experienced fans and love the team for the beginning of time or new fans that are casual and now just want to get behind the team. There's just that element of we should be playing better. I, get, I hear from a lot of people like, how is it possible you guys are losing to Panama? And I'm like, well, it's it's just not as easy as people think it is. But there is something that we can control, which is something you've been talking about, a big theme with you, Heath, is we can control how we perform and our attitude and how we move and still kind of have these disciplines that allow us to flow and have rhythm as a team. And we just didn't see any of that tonight. And because we made seven changes to the lineup, I think that's a big reason why. When the people that were texting me and we were talking about this game at halftime, I'm like, what did you expect to see? Seven changes is, of course, going to stifle any type of cohesion that we've been talking about and wanting and desiring. And to your point, when we played, there was always like eight or nine guys that you knew that were going to start every yeah. single game. And it was just us fighting for the scraps of like, can we be a super sub? Can we be, be, be one of those starters that's yeah. up for grabs? You know, it was that solidified. And maybe Greg is tinkering too much. We already know he overthinks a little bit on formation and, and player lineups and him texting players now late at night, telling them they're going to start. Interesting timing for me. Couldn't just wait till the morning. He's so excited, I guess, to let everybody know. So, so there's a lot bundled in here. And, and obviously, we're emotional. Everybody watching is emotional. Everybody wanted to have a better performance. We didn't get it. First time we've ever lost to Panama in World Cup qualifying. So leaving you with that... I just want to know your thoughts, final thoughts on this, because I just want to remind everybody we're going to have a special preview show podcast, special emergency podcast of a preview of the Costa Rica game that's happening on Wednesday. I think that'll be dropping on Tuesday. Producer Dennis can correct me in my ear in the little private chat we have. But any final thoughts that you have, Heath Pierce, about this? Anybody have any other comments before we go? Listen, the silver lining is we can win this game. I just want to say, actually, before I throw it over to you, Heath, the, the, the silver lining for me is we could beat Costa Rica and have six points in this window, which is one more point than we had in the first window when we didn't lose any games. So let's who, does try Mex- to, who does Mexico, what, what are those last games? Just so I have a, like, I'm trying to think through what that last round of games are, who plays who for um, us. Yeah. So we play for, Costa Rica at home. Uh, yes. And then, and then who does Mexico play? Do we know? On, uh, Oh, oh this, know, this, up, this upcoming up. Yeah, this upcoming up. Uh, they play up, yeah. away to El Salvador. Okay, away to El Salvador. Canada um, Canada hosts Panama. Okay. Honduras so that, hosts Jamaica. Yeah, so and this is... We, we host Costa Rica. Yeah, so this is uh, uh, the the Honduras... I mean, uh, Canada-Panama game is fantastic for us. So you win that, and you and you can start to see a little bit where where you can start to build a little bit of a gap in We between, need them to draw, you know? I think. I think yeah. yeah. We, uh, I see Mexico w- winning against El Salvador. I think that could humble El Salvador a little bit. Again, El Salvador, I don't want to write, write them off because, you know, uh, Mexico didn't win out in their first games, right? I think there were seven points after the first three games. But, um, but yeah, overall, the U.S. Uh, should be able to win this game against Costa Rica. I don't, I don't, uh, if they play the way that they played against Jamaica, which is good, not great, I think that beats Costa Rica. I think it was uh, enough of a complete performance oh, where solid. At, yeah, no at, at no point did Jamaica look like they were in it. They had a few half chances, but they 
they weren't the sharpest. They was it wasn't the most beautiful I've seen the U.S. play, but they played in a way that was disciplined. It, it was energetic. It, it it sort of dictated the flow of the game from start to finish. Where where Jamaica never really found their feet. Jamaica obviously, I think, a very different type of squad than than Costa Rica. Costa Rica having a ton of experience to be hey, able hey, to get save into these this games. for the preview pod, man. Yeah. You're getting into the but, good. Oh stuff. yeah, that's right. Okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm jumping I'm jumping away from that. But I I I, I do think that you know the, the silver lining from all of this. Uh, will be the fact that we got more experience from these players. We talk about seven players changing. When I look at those seven players, Jimmy, you know, uh, George Bello, Shaq Moore, you know, we're talking about Weston, uh, I mean, uh, Mark McKenzie and 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 Walker Zimmerman playing together for the first time. These are things that could happen again in the future, but oddly they happened for the first time, right, tonight. Mm-hmm. And oddly we had a lot of these players getting this experience for the first time tonight. So we have more players getting more experience and that, I think, will start to narrow down the squad over time. Maybe over this yes, window, maybe the next window, we'll start to chop away and say, hey, why do we need 26 players in camp? Maybe we need 23, or maybe you need mm-hmm. 26 because of depth, but you're starting to look at your 15 best players are the ones you're going to rotate through, and you're going to make four changes moving forward instead of seven, and all those things that start to carve out the identity of the team and people proving themselves. Because I still think there's a lot of guys who have a ton of potential that are very young that haven't proven themselves. And maybe it's not this cycle. Maybe it's the next one where they get a chance to. But we want to start to eliminate players because somebody has stepped up and said, you know what? This is my this is my job. This is my position. And I'm not letting anybody take it from me ever again. No, I love that. And I also want to say that I'm a little nervous already for Wednesday's game against Costa Rica because it went from, as Heath correctly said earlier, it went from a game where it was must-win to about three levels higher than that now after this loss to Panama, where it is absolute must-win. And maybe Greg Berhalter and the players like to play under this type of pressure. They seem to be masochists in some ways with some of the formations and decisions that the coaching staff in particular are making. But uh, I'm excited to preview it, so make sure you come back and join us for that. It'll be available for you on this very channel on Tuesday and on podcast, whatever podcast platform that you like to listen to your podcast. Make sure you subscribe both here on YouTube, please make that happen and make sure you're doing it on the podcast platforms as well. We really appreciate your support. It allows us to give you more and more free content because that's what we want. We're going to make this as free as possible for everybody. So do us a solid and hit that subscribe button. Leave, leave us a five-star review if you're up for that as well. And then, of course, we're going to do the same thing on Wednesday after the game that we're doing right now. We're going to sit here and hopefully we're celebrating. I got some champagne over here. I'm going to break mm-hmm. it out if we can do the business and actually play in a way that's like we get a solid three, three points and, and, and we, we just play a way that I think it satisfies just like we did against Jamaica. Just do that. Just do that again. Like we did play against Jamaica and I'll be definitely very happy. And then if you want to follow us on the internets, on the Twitters, go to K Golasso pod at Q U E Golasso pod. Make sure you subscribe as we said before on YouTube and all the podcast platforms. I'm Jimmy Conrad, maybe your ninth favorite, you know, former U.S. men's national team player alongside. I don't know where he fits on the list, but we appreciate your support. Thank you so much, Heath. Thank you, everybody, for listening and watching, and we will see you next time. Later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 